What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Elemental Arts with your host for the evening, Eagle Death. For this week's episode, we welcome on to the show for the first time Black Winter owner and all-around nice guy, Jeffrey Braga, also known as Corn Complex. Just want to give a quick side note also, if you're in Denver this week, make sure to check out Corn Complex and the Black Winter Takeover alongside OBF, Iration Steppers, Uka, and so many more for one of the biggest sound system events to hit Denver on the 25th of March. But without further ado, we welcome onto the show, Corn Complex. How you doing, man? Good, man. I'm doing great. Uh, ready for the weekend, but enjoying myself. I feel you, man. I feel you. It's nice to finally like actually speak with you. I mean, we've known each other for a couple of years now and like haven't really spoken. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when you like exchange music with people, you kind of get to know their opinions on things and, you know, their tastes and things, even if you don't speak face to face like this. Yeah. Necessarily. Yeah, man. So, uh, so where'd your name come from? So, yeah, it was a joke back in the day. Um, so, you know, there's this idea like savior complex, um, like people who think they're like a messiah or something. But um, in the anime Dragon Ball, Corin was kind of the character who never really was involved in the meme plot. He was just off doing his own thing. So, yeah, it's kind of a joke on like, you know, you're just not really involved or worrying about what's going on in the, you know. It's- it's main, funny that you say that story. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you actually say that. Like, um, I actually just got done binge watching the whole first um season of Dragon Ball. And, oh, yeah, well, actually, yeah. not the so, first season, the whole series of Dragon Ball. So I just yeah, watched, like, yeah. all 152. Yeah, no, that was my bread and butter growing up. I mean, <laughs> I loved it. I loved Super. I loved everything. But yeah, that was the joke, was really just he was the character you never really see fight, really. He's just kind of there doing his own thing. Yeah, and cracking jokes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you try different names. Like I had like five different name ideas. You look them up. Someone whack is using the name and you're like, oh, I don't want to be associated with this. So no, I, yeah, I it's just certain things. Stick. And after time, after time, like you don't even think about it anymore. It's just what you've been using for like eight years or some something, you know, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I've thought about changing my name a couple of times just because I've like seen a few other uh, Eagle deaths, but they were from like one's a rock band and the other's a label. Yeah. And, there's always something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So how long you been uh, doing music for? Oh, man. So I guess like. So I did. I grew up doing bass guitar. I played bass guitar in bands and various like music projects, probably since like 11 or 12. And um, at the point I I was in in high school, like I was doing various things. I was doing like acoustic music. I was playing in a metal band. And then I was like just playing with synthesizers on the side. I was terrible, but like it was like what I was interested in, you know, so when you, when you love it, you just keep playing with it more. You spend more time on it. So like at that point I was just showing up to band practice and like enjoying it. But at home, like I was only playing on like micro Korg and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it's kind of really, trial and error. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it came from that. I was just like, Oh, this is just like music with bass lines. I didn't really know how to find sub genres or stuff like that though. Mm-hmm. Like in high school, like I had heard, jungle artists i had heard dmb i had heard 
uh, like break, like Venetian snares and stuff and prodigy. I'd heard like so much electronic music, but I didn't know like categories. Like now once you DJ. Yeah. And there's so many categories. Yeah, exactly. So like it came to a point, I think where, um, I was in college, I was trying to just produce, like I didn't have like a genre or anything. I was just trying to produce. And I went to some show and diesel boy, was opening and like I saw him play and I was just like, yeah. Was that the first you artist you saw? Like, well, um, no, but I think something about that night, I don't really remember what I was just like, yeah, I really want to try just like mixing. So I just stopped producing for like a year and just only mixed. And then that was like, okay, now I want to produce cause I know what I like to mix and like to like hear in a set and play in a set and stuff yeah. like that. Like, before that, I was just making whatever, but I didn't understand, like, what would hit in the club and, like, bass lines and stuff like that, that sort of piece of it. Yeah, seeing as you didn't, like, really get too much electronic music, like, where you're from, where, where is that? I know you move no. a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm from, like, the suburbs of D.C., like, everyone from around the areas of D.C. and everything, so... We had it, but I didn't really like see under 18 raves. Like that was probably for the best, but yeah, you know, we had like, a lot of those in Florida and it was, it, yeah, like it definitely wasn't for the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I was exposed to it later and then that was like 2011, 20, well, 2010 era was like, I was really getting into it and then everything blew up. And then I started to like search for really weird stuff and, you know, just like what is really just going to hit me the same way the first time I heard drum and bass or dubstep is going to hit me like this. Yeah. What is this kind of thing, you know? So is that, is that one of the reasons why you like started your own label, um, Black Winter? So um, I really just felt like, um, you know, like when you're producing, there's kind of this element of like, you want to hear what you don't hear other people doing or like, yeah. you want to hear like, what you really like in other songs. And it was like that with the label. It was just like, I heard, um, in a mind has like, was like killing their own sound. Like a few other labels were just like rarefied and people were just like, had carved out these areas of dubstep that like people were really into and they were kind of like specific. Yeah. And I heard all of these songs that were kind of like a bit more on the techno and dubby and, in between some of them are 130, like a little bit outside the normal range. And I was like, I feel like this is its own kind of corner of the thing. I just wanted to hear like some of those Artronic songs out. Cause I was like, some of the stuff he was sending me, I was just like, no one else has signed this. Like sometimes I feel that way. And then a year after it will come out on a huge label and I'll understand, but like, some of the stuff he was sending me and other people were sending me was just sitting there for two years. And I was like, no one is going to put this out. Like I just have to try to put this out or. Yeah. That's always the worst. Just sitting on music all day. And, and it's just sitting in your, in your drive. No one else can hear it, but you. And yeah. I mean, that's especially like, love it. like if you think you like really love that song too. And that was the thing, like I discussed this with Yoko a lot because he had put out like a vinyl release and he wasn't happy with how it turned out. It was, this was way back in the day, but he was like, just learn from my mistakes. And we talked a lot about like what the song should be. 
And once we found those two, we, it was just like, yeah, it, this is what we should do. And we should just keep picking weird songs from producers that no one else is signing. Like the stuff that sounds really good when you double drop it or mix it, but like people just aren't signing it or putting it out. Yeah. I do think there was like, I heard over time, some more people like, um, modern hypnosis is like one of my favorite labels and I've heard them like go further down that kind of breaksy dub techno y uh every kind of avenue of that corner too. So like I I've been enjoying just like hearing their output too because I'm just like, yeah, this is like what I want to buy and want to listen to as much as uh my own stuff, you know. So Yeah. With uh with like with that in mind, you know how labels are really just kind of sitting on things or really don't want to put out things with everything now, how you can do Patreon and Bandcamp and all that stuff. Do you really feel that like labels are really necessary nowadays? Um, I mean, not like, you know, back in the day where, you know, it, you needed to be on a big label to, you know, get your name out there where nowadays you can really, you know, push yourself, you know, versus. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think, and this is the interesting thing is like, I do encourage everyone to kind of do their own thing unless you can team up with people who you know are doing the same thing. Like that was kind of our mentality was just like, these are people writing the same sort of tunes. No one else is picking them up. Let's just like put them out. So um, I think like, yeah, hundred percent, you should really hold yourself to a high quality standard if you're going to self-release stuff. Cause I see people just self-release stuff and it goes nowhere. Cause yeah, you have to really, think about how high high the bar you're setting is like you want to still think about it like a label would or something but you can you should definitely go that route and if you like can cover as many avenues as you can different labels and then self-release stuff like that should be the honest to god way in this day and age that makes the most sense it's just like um it's it's part like attachment to the medium and a part also just like um i feel like vinyl because it slows people's process down people start to think are the tunes really good if i'm gonna spend like a thousand dollars on it so yeah the price is going up so much too now yeah so it makes again it's just a quality standard like i i know people want to talk about vinyl sets or whatever to me it's just play whatever but like i think it just forces people to release better quality music. If you're investing in that format, like you're not going to drop the money if you don't think it's really worth it or if you don't love yeah. the music or something. So hundred percent, I hundred percent agree. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's just a, your own self filter. Like if you can do that to your own music and just put it out there, then you have, you have it made. You just got to get it into the right hands. Like, yeah. So um, how's COVID been treating you? <laughs> been locked down. No, pretty good. I mean, um, I was working on a degree, like a master's degree for the first half of it. And now since last June or so, I've been out here, moved out here and just been hanging out out here. So I feel like the main thing I've been missing is live music, to be honest. Like, I feel like everything stopped. I've been waiting for tunes to come out for like two years or two and a half years. And like just recently have been to live venues and seen live music that I really wanted to see, like, especially electronic music. I mean, it was outdoors, but still yeah. even a year ago, I wouldn't have been at something like that. So, I mean, I mean, 
it was, I'm glad it's coming back. That seems like the main thing that's been missing is just live music. Like I have to kind of find it out here a bit too. Cause I'm newer out here, but I like, where see you at now? Bass crews. Huh? Where are you at now? I'm in San Diego. So I see the drum and bass crews. I see a bunch of good LA nights. Um, but we have like a house and techno festival out here that oh nice. we just had like a fortet and then UFO and people like that. So um, most of this stuff comes to LA, to be honest, <laughs> it yeah. makes sense, you know, entertainment capital, but um, there's no war of good music. Yeah. <laughs> that warm weather, you know, attracts everybody. Yeah. Why not? Here in Colorado, we get, we get cold and then it get hot and then cold again. And yeah, we were, okay. So the other night we were talking about like, it must be funny to people in the UK that we would want to vac- we would go on vacation to Bristol from like California. Cause like, they're like, why are you leaving this? But it's just a music thing again. Like yeah. when I was in Spain, like I just loved all the sound systems. That's like the other thing I miss is like Denver, you guys have a few good options. DC had options. New York had options, but every city in Spain has like dub nights, like dub sound system. Then they all play at like the big festivals at the summer and stuff. It's just, uh, it's a whole vibe. And um, that's actually how uh, we linked up with Buka and became good friends with him is just being over there. And um, yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to travel over there so I can go to uh, international dub fest. Yes, you should. Um, I haven't been, my girlfriend's been, the videos are insane. Everett again said it's just amazing, but yeah, everyone loves that festival. Amazing lineup every year. Yeah, it would be nice if like, you know, we got more of uh, of like the roots and, and dub artists out here in the States instead of just like all dubstep. And, you know, some people pushing, you know, some of the dub vibes, but not like it is over there. Yeah, no, 100%. I think like it's really a untapped market. I don't, I, I see like the more commercial reggae fests, nothing wrong with them, but I'm like, I, I feel like you could tap that same audience into the more authentic, a bit more dub wise mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like they ought to, to be honest. Like I saw there have been a few tours. I know Iration came out um, and, you know, Mungo's came out and stuff, but yeah, comparatively, they have stuff going on every weekend or every week. So, yeah, Amer- Americans just like, you know, the harder stuff. The thing, everything is right in your face. That's, yeah, that's that's what they want. And just the, the things to, you know, really get kind of fucked up to and just kind of enjoy the night and forget. And, and you know, but I, yeah, I do you like see that? that? Do you feel like that's so this is interesting. I feel like people from outside the U.S. think about Denver as like, the mecca of like us dubstep do you see like both sides of it like what you just described and like the submission side and the dub side as all this multifaceted piece of you know denver or is it like a different perception uh yes and no i I feel like like the black boxes is pushing you know uh a lot of the dubstep sounds but i mean they really don't do more of any reggae i mean they just had you know mongo's hi-fi out there um and they've had buka um in the past as well but i mean for the most part it's really not that much you know reggae shows happening besides uh pomegranate sound yeah so them and dem day are like my dem day is like my friend group from like back homes uh darian and gabe and all them yeah yeah man 
those those yeah. are cool people. They they throw some really good shows, and their systems sound really nice. Yeah. I actually just went over and uh, seen a show from them um, about a couple weeks ago when Buku was out here. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I'm so happy was, to play for them too. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was a tight was, show. Yeah, and um, like years ago, I was at Darian's house in the UK before he moved back to Denver, and he just had like those tweeters, those honeycomb tweeters, mm-hmm. and like the empty boxes. And him and Kyler were like, yeah, we're going to build this system when we get back. <laughs> and it's so funny now to see like stuff like that go so far. Yeah. And know? they're even traveling, taking it to different states. Yeah. Too. And it's, it's, it's nice. The same goes for uh, frozen plates too. Like I know you just released with them. Like I remember where I was when that guy sent me the first demos, like his first label release. And I had already, you know, we had talked about music and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I remember where I was when he was like, I'm starting a smaller label and sent me like the first stuff. Like, and now that's like a whole thing. Like, it's crazy to see stuff build over even just two, three years. Yeah. And they're such a good label too. They don't, they don't get enough love for, for what they put out, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out frozen plates. Go buy that. (laughs) Always. And they sell out so fast too. So make sure you get on it. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, man. So, <clears throat> so have you been working on a lot of music lately? Yeah. So, um, I've got like an EP vinyl EP. I'm really excited for to drop, I think end of this year. Nice. Um, is it going to be on your label? So we've got one coming on that. I think end of summer or early fall, we've got like a dubstep record, various artists record coming, um, end of summer, early fall. And then I've got something, the thing I've been waiting on, um, or just waiting on to release because vinyl delays are so long these time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that'll be the end of the year, and uh, that's the one I'm really excited for. But yeah, we've got a bunch of new stuff too. Um, I mean, we just finished. Me and Carter just finished a song. I think it's like our best work besides something we've got coming out this year. So it's always nice at this point in time when you've worked so long to just be like, I really am satisfied with the end result like you can work on something i feel like i'm more patient now i can work on something for like two three months and then just be like yeah this is the but you've been doing it for a couple years so yeah (laughs) yeah i see and then then wait on it yeah and then wait on it for that long then you really have to be happy with it still or something Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah. i find that a, a lot with my music like if i don't like finish it and put it out or like send it to a label to get signed, I won't like it anymore, you know, within like a couple months because I've heard it for so many times. Like I just kind of bores me at a point. Yeah. You need the breathing room too. like, I only understand like stuff I've, unless it's something like that where I'm really happy with the end result. It usually takes me like two, three months away from it. Like you're, you're talking about to Mm -hmm. actually hear it and then actually hear it and like critique it in a normal way. Not like I've heard it a million times. Like once you've heard the loop 10,000 times, it takes like a month to get out of your head or to not hear that one thing you were hearing over and over or something like that. Yeah. Lately I've been taking a lot of uh, time to kind of slow down my production and and really, you know, go through everything. And then once it's finished, I kind of put it aside for a couple months and then come back to it and then do the mixing at that point with fresh ears, you know, so I'm exactly. not like overdoing yeah. it. <laughs> for anyone who listens to this and produces like the most stupidly simple trick you can do to improve your stuff is just like, listen to your 
bounce the tune at the end of the session, make your notes and then work on those notes, like at the beginning of the next session. Like it's the most simple thing, but people just get caught up in thinking they know what they have to change and getting stuck in the same eight bar loop. Yeah, It's like, you just have to decide what to change and then you can go from there like over and over. A really good thing I've, I've found too, is like looking at other people's project files and seeing how their arrangements are, you know, yeah. that, that's been a really nice way of kind of constructing the tune lately. And, you know, just so I know um, what I'm doing versus what they're doing, it's yeah. more of like not comparison, but also just of kind of learning off of what other people are doing. Cause you learn from yeah. examples most of the time. So. Yeah. And like, that's good too. Cause you can get like kind of the transient breakdown. Like when I first started, I had people who were producing a lot longer than me tell me like, no, you need like the melodies and bass lines to follow the drums like a bit more closely, like in electronic than you would like in a rock band or something. And yeah. like, it's true. Like you have to stack the drums and the like baseline in a certain way to capture what you're really after. And you can see that if you get like a project breakdown or like good loops or stuff like that. So how do you feel about like, you know, artists or uh, labels having like a set formula of what they're looking for in a song? Cause I've, I've personally have had uh, labels, you know, ask me for tunes and I send, you know, songs and stuff. And then yeah. I get a whole list of what like things need to be changed and how things. Right. No. So <laughs> So I only, I only feel that to a certain point. Like I rem I can remember sending someone and again, if they're watching this, like shout out their wicked producer, like, but it just didn't fit the label. I remember asking them, like, do you have anything a bit more like breaks or like a bit more clubby, but that's like the extent I'll ask. Like I was looking for a totally different tune, not what they sent me, you know, yeah. I would never ask you to change something in your song. Really. I feel like, um, like that's, I get that they know what they're looking for. They know what works for their formula. But in my opinion, like that's kind of, I've heard artists talk about that, like suffocating certain labels and stuff talking about this label always wanted stuff darker. And that's why I started making stuff this way, this way. You know, I feel like at the end of like uh, early 2010s, 2012 ish era, when a lot of the dubstep people started doing like 130 BPM, that was a big thing too. Like, a lot of the labels that were pushing stuff like wanted everything to be more minimal and darker. And I've heard artists talk about that, like turning them off to producing certain styles. Cause they're just like, no, don't tell me what to do. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's my music. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, in my opinion, it's just like, it either doesn't fit the label or you ask them if they have different stuff. I mean, it's kind of weird to box it in. Like yeah, critique a whole, a whole song. Cause I've personally been yeah, asked, I mean, like di to use like different compressors and stuff like that, which I found really weird, you know, cause the song's done at that point. <laughs> yeah. No, that to me, that's like overcooking the track, like, or that's, that's, that's thinking too much into it. Like it either sounds good or it doesn't. I don't, I've always said like, if, if it has no VSTs on it and it sounds good, what does it matter? Like yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, it's just good music or not, or it vibes with the label or something like, at the same time, though, I do kind of, I will say more so than like label having a certain vibe. The thing that always confused me was like releases. I've talked to you about this before, like releases where like 
the three tracks sound exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel like a lot, lot of dubstep of, sounds like that these days. You skip through yeah. an album and all of them just kind of sound almost the same as each other. Yeah, like I feel like if you're going to, your audience is almost DJs, right? Like people are streaming it, people are hearing it in the club, but like your audience is almost pretty much DJs. So like you want to give DJs as much of like utility as you can, right? Mm-hmm. So like if your release has like four different tracks or four things that fit different parts of a set, I always felt like they were more likely to play your stuff than if it was just, they drop one track and ignore the other two for the rest of your life or something like that. So I don't know though. I've, that's just a personal theory, but I'd see releases that I feel like people went from, like, I understand a cohesive release, but like some people went too far on like the, it's just, the same track like a vip or something you know like i feel like that's why people don't really buy full albums anymore they mostly just buy like one or two tracks off the album that they do like yeah and yeah i mean again it gets down to i saw it you know um who is it the head of butters had an interesting like post the other day like what would you change about your music if you thought people would only hear it once Mm -hmm. i was like that's like the most extreme version of this discussion is like you know, if people really were only going to hear it once and take something away from it, like, would you agonize over the mix down or would it be just the ideas or like which piece of it is really the important part of the song? So to me, it's always like, I just try to find something that surprises me. I feel like we've both heard so much music that if I hear something in the track that I'm like, whoa, that was cool. The first three times I heard it, Mm -hmm. I can just remember that then I can hear it 10,000 times and be okay with that. Like, as long as I know that I captured that, like on first listen, it was kind of surprising or something like, then I'm okay with the loop being the loop, you know, like I'm I'm okay committing at that point once I understand like, oh, there was something really cool about this on first listen. Like, I think that to me is like the only time I will actually flesh out a loop into a full track is at that point like nice yeah and you've been a you've been in this game for you know quite a little minute now i know you had a uh, really old release with chest plate and uh, no 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 just just support is that just support yeah yeah okay <laughs> it's support but um yeah that one's interesting so that this is when you get to like people don't don't take too much advice from the internet because like that was the most lo-fi lead song ever. Like that was the most horribly recorded lead, but if you process it right, it sounds good on top of everything else. So it's kind of just like at the end of the day, you have to find what works and just pick new pieces. I think like going to record your own sounds, whether it's from a synth or from a microphone or from vinyl, like if you want to go sample vinyl, like that's the best way to get your music unique you're just not gonna don't only click through splice record some stuff in record just mini jams or something and then you'll like have so much more to go off of you use uh do you use ableton i'm in logic but um yeah we use reaper for a lot of the tunes carter and i work on together because it's just easier to record in audio um Mm -hmm. and his setup yeah have you ever checked out like a um is a VST called a splitter. No, and, uh, what it is, is it, um, it separates all of 
like you can put a whole wave file in there and it'll separate the tune completely so all the drums the bass the vocals everything will be completely separated so if you wanted to okay yeah, stuff, yeah yeah you don't have to like sit there and struggle or hear all this nasty yeah. background. <laughs> yeah yeah no that's really smart I've, I've had a few plugins like that but probably that don't work that well usually just careful eq like on vinyl samples and stuff but yeah i mean i i know we've had a lot of conversations about this sort of stuff i just try to like i usually get the arrangement in and then i'll just go through and try to put really weird stuff like i'll build everything in a sampler everything is a sampler and then just like change the sound sources of a bunch of stuff so i'll get like the groove going and then i'll be like how do I make the sounds unique and then maybe write a lead or a baseline or something like that. So, so you kind of found like, yourself a set formula uh, of how things work for you really. Yeah, no. And someone opened that up for me. i saw a few people talking about really the key, like to good drums was like sample stuff and run them through a sampler. Even if you're doing splice or something, don't just drop them on the grid, you know, like really get the sampler in cause then you can hone the envelope and, like mm -hmm. triggers and stuff like that. And then I was like, everything can be a sampler, just put everything sampler. And then you can add like a lead synth if you need or baseline synth. And that's sort of the stuff we try to record like on analog or um, on digital synths and just record into the um, DAW most of the time. Yeah, your, your drums always sound really nice. And, and a lot of your stuff is minimal and very dancey. <laughs> thank you no. so it's always interesting to me this is a good one too like people with perspectives on your own music i thought like we did so much on one release and all of the reviews were like super minimal and i was like so your own perception can be very flawed of your own stuff because i'll think like no this sounds too cluttered and the yeah. other guys reviewing it is saying it's super minimal so yeah considering the fact that yeah. your uh your best dubstep song you don't even like <laughs> <laughs> So this is there's a good story behind this though so i actually did ask in yoka if a pre-master for uh, left hook in, existed recently um i was just curious like does that exist could we possibly master it and release it people like it you know mm -hmm. uh, it's not that i hate it the main thing about it is i felt like the mid bass wasn't like unique i felt like it was like the generic dubstep wobbly i felt like everything else i did in the song like the drums and stuff and the bass line, I really liked like from that era of my songs, if you listen to it, every sub bass, I was trying to write it like I would write a bass guitar riff. So like that one is like kind of a bass guitar riff. Traveler is like a bass guitar riff. And eventually I reached this point where I was like, it doesn't sound right for most of the like bass lines I want to write. It just doesn't sound good in like a massive or a serum like, you have yeah. to simplify it or you have to do like some of these more like techno ideas where it's like mid bass and simple like sub bass and stuff. But like, yeah, that whole era of songs, like if you listen to it, it's kind of funny. I realized this the other day. I was like, I was just trying to like write bass lines in massive or something, <laughs> write bass guitars in massive or something. It worked for a while though. I mean, like I would play those on big systems and it like they would it sound goes off every time. Yeah, I mean, that that's all that counts, right? And those are, like, the chess plate song, too. Like, those are the songs that were usually written in, like, like you said, probably written in, like, a day or two, and then you come back after a month or two and just 
like barely polish up the mix down and it sounds right. It's just nothing else to do to it. It's just like kind of done on its own. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting, we're getting low on time here, but, um, is yeah. there, um, <clears throat> is there any like up and coming artists that you've been like keeping an eye out on that you really like lately? Yeah. I mean, Oh, this is hard. Cause there's so many, but, um, yeah. So I think for dubstep, like Yuffie and Lofty are crushing it. I really Definitely. love the melodic vibes. Like usually I really like what white peach puts out. Um, he's helped me a lot with bleak winter and just like setting up the label and stuff and really, really good. A and R in addition to label head, like he just mm-hmm. picks really good tunes. I mean, for dubstep, I really love, um, some of the re- recent Yuffie stuff on uh, White Peach, but like on the techno side and stuff like that, and just anything else, like um, people that probably should get more attention. Um, Aya from Hyperdub, they put out an album earlier this year or end of last year that was incredible. Um, Jossie Mitsu's been making music. I know she's only put out one EP, I think, on Astro Black, but. Um, all of the recent stuff of hers that's been popping up in shows is like really, really good. Okay. I'll have to check those out. Yeah. Um, let me think if there's anyone else on dubstep. I still think, um, so we've got some tunes coming on bleak winter from ENT out of Denver. I still think he's so underrated. Like people, the whole dubstep thing now is a discussion about minimalism and stuff. And his stuff has such like a unique character and just like oozing substance and feeling and yeah unfortunately a lot of the dubstep artists out in denver it's it's more of the unfortunately to say it's more of the same people you know getting booked over and over besides you know sure just the outs you know people from outside the state yeah i mean it it, and there's so many people in in colorado especially denver you know making music it's like a hub for for musicians right now yeah, exactly. And if you look at who's released his stuff, it's typically good friends of ours. Like, I think it's the only other people that have put out his stuff are Duckham and Chad Dubs. Like, so they know good music too. Like, he's just, he's a really solid producer. He's just not like, it's not like, you know, tear out tunes. It's not going to go off on the dance floor like the craziest thing ever. But if you actually listen to it and play it in the dance, like it might be the weightiest tune or like that tune that really gets everyone just like looking at the ground, wondering what's going on, you know? So it's it's a different vibe. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think they've been tested on pomegranate and Demdea too. I I sent them the test presses. So uh, we get the double thumbs up. So. So outside of music, do you listen to like any podcasts or like, you know, play any video games or anything like that? Yeah. So I mostly actually play. um, So last year, at least I was playing a lot of fighting games. Um, I mostly play like Guilty Gear, um, Mortal Kombat, stuff like that. Okay. Other than that, like single player games, actually, I've been replaying like Final Fantasy. I love anything with like good soundtrack, just amazing soundtrack. Like I know everyone loves Chrono Trigger. That's one of my favorite games, Mm -hmm. you know, same artist designer as Dragon Ball and stuff like that. So, um, like any of those RPG type games, I don't, I used to play FPS all day, but, um, I kind of fell off that at some point it kind of became mostly, I liked fighting games because it's just like one V one. It's just like very straightforward and interesting. It's kind of like a little chess match or something like, Nice. Yeah. I've been playing a lot of uh, Elden Ring lately and I've been trying to learn chess. You know, I've, I've always yeah. wanted to kind of learn how to play. So I've been, 
uh, kind of looking up videos online and also just playing on my phone as well, trying to, you know, it's, yeah, it's watch, a uh, yeah, watch Gotham chess. He's, he's got good stuff. A lot of the people who like get really good, really fast watch his stuff. He's always got good advice uh, for chess, but yeah, mostly, um, I mean, last year I played uh, Mortal Kombat 11, like constantly, but the community is wasn't no, wasn't no, uh, you couldn't do nothing else. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, the game is so well made, but the community, especially on PC is like, it's not like popping off or like really like, you know, thriving community. So yeah. it was just like, you know, you're missing out if you're not on PlayStation. So I was like, all right, I'll switch to something else. But yeah, I know everyone's been going Elden Ring um, recently, especially like I've seen all of the Twitch streams the people who are streaming like the damage list runs and, <laughs> and stuff like that. So with us, uh, basically in the last few minutes and everything, is there any uh, places that, you know, people can check out your music? Yeah. So soundcloud.com slash K O R I N C O M P L E X. Same with Instagram Corin complex. Um, we got stuff on Spotify, check out Bandcamp or just bleakwinter.com is the Bandcamp link really. Um, we've got something out on off switch audio, um, as of today on Bandcamp, coming out on Spotify next week. And then, yeah, a lot more to follow later this year. Uh, very excited about the stuff we've got later this year. Just been, uh, excited to drop that and get more out. So I think, uh, we'll try to keep it more regular as things come out of COVID for sure. Yeah. Nice, man. Well, yeah, man, it's, I'm really excited to, you know, have you back on the show for guest mix and everything. Yeah, man, and, thank you know, you. it's, it's been awesome, you know, speaking with you, you know, finally actually getting the talk, you know, versus just over, you know, Texas and stuff. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Really? Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too, man. <laughs>